Um, so this script is, uh, it's a high concept, low budget, sci-fi, film noir, comedy, found footage, uh, low budget. Mockumentary, features. you just add all the descriptions <laughs> for anything that could possibly be. <laughs> Late night HBO. Yeah, fan fiction, fucking. Um. And it's it's about a uh, guy who sort of reaches the peak of materialism and kind of worldly success and is sort of disappointed with how he feels. He feels sort of empty and hollow, uh, so he destroys everything and then is on a quest to figure out what uh, the meaning of life is. And he decides that it's breaking, he decides that he's in a simulation and his only goal and purpose is to break out of it. And he meets uh, a lot of interesting folks on the way. And uh, when he does break out, uh, spoiler alert, it, it switches from 16 by 9 to VR, um, which I thought was sort of a uh, sort of bridge from traditional, you know, 16 by 9 to full 360 um and there's lots of drugs and violence and uh, sex so if you are squeamish for that <laughs> uh, please let me know if it's too much cool all right well i am ready when you are cool zach deck words on the screen i'll tell you a little riddle you're waiting for a train a train that will take you far away you know where you hope this train will take you, but you don't know for sure. If it, but it doesn't matter. How can it not matter to you where the train will take you? Exterior, Green Mountain Field Park Day, in VR. We see a, the back of a naked man as he walks through a lush green mountainous landscape. Suddenly his attention is, is caught by the laugh of a beautiful naked woman in the distance as we just barely see her going into a tent. The nude man sprints to the tent and goes inside. Interior tent building day. We see a large corridor that seems endless as it swirls sucking in his body to reveal a swirling white hole. Like a black hole, only it's white. Cut to interior bar Sunday evening. Picture goes back to 16 to 9. Rob is abruptly awoken by Bill. On the bottom right of the screen, we see what appears to be a VCR date time numbers. Sunday, 5.58 p.m. Hey Rob, you sleep in restaurants now? Oh, Bill, hey. Uh, no, I just got here a bit early, I guess. Rob? Early? And on a Sunday? Cassandra's the only day of the week with you. Oh, fuck. Uh, <laughs> you must have pissed her off good this time. No, I haven't seen Cassandra in almost a week because I broke up with her. And the rest of the girls I was seeing. You did what? Is that why you're recording this? On an eerily quiet video recording drone of some sort? Trying to get my reaction for your new prank YouTube channel? Alt to make fun of my reaction in our fantasy football text thread? So whenever it says alt, that's just an alternate. Okay, okay, line. okay, okay, okay. Oh yeah, that's my new master bot silent uh, video drone. Or droney, as he likes to be called. He's completely silent, powered by machine learning, AI. And has multiple high-def video cameras and audio recorders. Bill is dumbstruck why anyone would need this. Rob picks up on this and he does his best to justify it. 
I mean, you're always telling me to journal my thoughts, and so I don't get them, so I don't get bogged down in them. He's doing that for me. <clears throat> oh, and he edits the footage when I'm done, because who has the time? Now I can remember everything in vibrant 4K detail. Rob tips his hat to the camera, drilling your ribs his fins. And a pen and paper wouldn't work. Why? Rob rolls his eyes. But anyway, about breaking up with all my lady friends, yeah, you know, I just wanted to try something different. What, like having two girlfriends for each day of the week? Rob shrugs. Turns out the excitement and novelty of concurrently <clears throat> dating seven amazingly talented, beautiful, and accomplished women at the same time is not as great as it sounds. Shaquina, Cassandra, Sridevi, Kareen, Vivian, Blanca, and Crystal were seriously the most wonderful and beautiful women I've ever seen in my life. Looks over both shoulders. When I can't seem to break the plane with the old football and chain, my go-to play is picturing Cassandra in that dress she wore last July 4th. Bill bites his knuckle as Rob gives it an O face. Within a second, I'm in touchdown zone, dancing all over my wife's end zone. Bill makes a spike in throwing motion. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm sure we'll have plenty of time for sex-related football puns with all my new free time, because I also quit my job. What? Did you smoke crack again on your way here? Rob sincerely thinks about it. No, I don't think so. Why would you quit your job? They're about to make you partner. What are you going to do for your money? How are you going to pay for your sweet penthouse apartment, your travel, dining, drinking, and other extracurricular activities? Those aren't exactly cheap. You're not going to tell me you're getting rid of your adorable dog, Sammy, too. Rob shrugs. Nah, Sammy's cool. You live fucking large, my friend. And as successful as you've become at 30, whatever I can't imagine you've saved enough to continue living like this. And aren't you going to get bored and lonely with no one around and nothing to do? Rob cocks an eyebrow. Doubt it. That artist loft I live in after college had a room open, so I moved back in. Oh, and about the money, you see, it's not going to be a problem anymore. And why is that? Because when I told my boss I quit, I beat the shit out of myself, fight club style, and I'm now blackmailing him for all the money I could ever need. That's why. Rob puts his hand behind his head. Wait, really? <laughs> well, no. But I was seriously going to do it. You know, just for the shits and gigs, but he was so sincere trying everything he could to convince me to stay. And even had some nice ladies come in to sweeten the deal. All I had to do was take the pen and sign the paper to be made partner. But instead, I did a line uh, off his big shiny forehead while the nice ladies took turns giving me up, giving me up and down kisses. Really, Rob? No, it actually got pretty real. I started crying and apologizing profusely. And then I started crying and said for the last six years... I had been like a son to him after his real son, who was around the age, uh, also named Rob, died in that tragic helo skiing accident. Bill is speechless and then gets back on track. Wow, that is so fucked up. I know, what am I doing? I don't know, but I do know 
that you love partying, traveling, and lavishing your money over everyone. Why would you quit on the precipice of such a major milestone in your life? Rob shrugs. I don't know, man. It was fun for a while, man. but now it's just we not just want satisfying. Wait, is this another impulsive Rob decision that's made while high? Like that time when we went to Bonnaroo and you decided Rue wasn't enough and that you would be living at a music festival's continuously for the rest of your life? Remember? You wouldn't only respond to guy formerly known as Rob who just trips forever now? I don't know, man. It was fun for a while, but now it's just not satisfying. Bill furrows his brow trying to wrap his head around this monumentous decision. Yeah, man. That's life. It's amazing and terrible beyond description, often at the same time. Are you upset that after all of these exciting adventures and accomplishments, that it turns out you're actually human and have to deal with the same shit what every person also has to deal with? I don't think so. I always try to take the good with the bad, and yet I still feel so hollow. Now that I'm over 30 and I feel like shit after drinking or even worse if I do anything harder than that. Bill nods his head in knowing approval. Now, don't get me wrong. Making love with someone special is amazing. Oh, so that's where I was right. Oh, shit, sorry. Now, don't get me wrong. Making love with someone special is amazing, but it doesn't leave me satisfied. After it's over, I just want more. Money's the same way. Once I started getting comfortable, it's like the fear kicked in of losing it, uh, losing it all, or worse, getting bored. I miss the scrappy old times where we were so excited about getting a client for like 200 bucks. So you're going to start marketing for small businesses like we did after college? Fuck no. This shit was the worst. I made more than enough money to live modestly for at least a couple of years. Well then what are you going to do? I'm honestly not sure. I just know I'd rather be dead than keep doing what I've been doing. I know what this is about. Young Rob. Never wants to grow up, and now that all of his friends have wives or even kids, he doesn't want to be a sellout and follow suit. Rob throws his brow sincerely, considering this thought. Bill sees his opportunity and strikes. Would it be so bad to meet one nice girl, settle down somewhere, beautiful, and have a few kids? You'd have to be a self-aggrandizing one, I think passing on your substance of abusing genetic C with some floozy of a significant other is going to deliver anything but a waking night a waking nightmare with no end. Bill gives Rob a telling look which Rob catches. I mean, uh, I'm so excited about Tessa, your beautiful, supportive, and loving wife, giving birth to your first amazing, talented, and not to mention brilliant child. That's gonna be, uh, great. Bill shakes his head with a slight smirk. What I'm trying to say, as long as I've got you and my family, I think I'll be okay. You better believe I'm going to be a kick-ass uncle. Well, I may not, never understand you. I will always be here for you, buddy. But without a job and no daily girlfriend to entertain, seriously, what are you going to do? Not sure. But whatever it is, it's going to be better than it's going to be better than what I was do what I was doing. Next uh, same time next week. Yeah, definitely. They do what looks like a really awkward but sincere bro hug, and then that turns into a really cool and well choreographed handshake slash hug. Interior Rob's room, Monday morning, Monday, 5 a.m. 
Rob's alarm is going off at 5 a.m. He turns it off and gets up, mistakenly thinking he has somewhere to be. He smiles and lays back in bed, drifting off to sleep. He has a little excite he has a little excitement, happy attack, and then drifts off into a deeply peaceful sleep. Interior Rob's room, Tuesday morning, Tuesday, 5 a.m. Rob's alarm goes off at 5 a.m. He hits it and mistakenly gets up again. He lays in bed smiling, though not quite as big as the previous day while it's drifting back to sleep. Smaller excitement, happy attack. Interior Rob's room, Wednesday. Wednesday, 5 a.m. Rob's alarm goes off at 5. He hits it and lays back rather than... He hits it and lays back rather neutral face with his eyes open. Rob's room, Thursday, 5 a.m. Rob continues to lay there from the previous scene as the alarm goes off again. He hits the off button as his face turns to upset. Interior Rob's room, Friday, 4.59 a.m. The clock goes to 4.59 a.m. and Rob throws it across the room. Why won't you go off? Rob sits on the edge of his bed looking completely lost. Eventually, with nothing to do, Rob feels purposeless and falls into a devastating depression. When he looks up to his flat screen TV akin to a moon akin to Moonwatcher first coming into contact with the monolith in 2001. In fact, the scene or a similar scene from 2001 is playing on the TV like the Popeye scene in Wolf of Wall Street. Wait. Netflix, HBO, Hulu, Amazon Prime, you understand me. He turns it on and binge-watches Madman, Sopranos, Simpsons, etc. Ah, streaming content. Teacher, mother, secret lover. What you've, uh, you're what I've been looking for all this time. Interior of Rob's apartment Saturday morning, Saturday 9 a.m. <coughs> Rob has turned his apartment into the office for Mad Men, though not specifically enough to be sued. He walks through the front door wearing a really nice suit. Have we gotten for word from Lucky Strike account? Rob looks up from his mail. I do love it when you wear that color. Sammy's dog is wearing a dress and acting as a secretary. He puts his briefcase down and proceeds to pour a drink in ten martinis in a row. Peggy, Joan, Pete, Kim, Stan, Sal, uh, Mary, glad you could all join me in here. Yeah, sure, you want to be Mary? Hey, Rob, after you get done bossing around your dog secretary around, can you pick up some more vodka? We're all out of, we're all, we're out all of a sudden. Could have sworn I just bought a bottle. Rob is jarred back to reality. Uh, yeah, no problem. Uh, I'll buy some later when I go to the store. Rob walks up to her, takes her hand, and dips her. Unless you want to play Don's season-long love interest. I'm good. Rob undips, and she walks away, slightly confused. That's what the money is for! Mary looks stunned. Sorry. Interior, Rob's apartment, Sunday morning, 11 a.m. Rob has spent all of Saturday day and night working to make the living room look just like the Simpsons and dressed himself up as Homer, again not similar enough to get sued. He runs into the living room while the soundtrack plays on a Bluetooth speaker and he jumps on the couch where his roommates are already sitting and squeezes in between them very uncomfortably. Could I interest anyone in a duff beer? Emily, you can be Andy. Rob points to a cooler with very crappily created duff beers that are basically just natural light with duff printouts over the label. The labels are all, now all soggy and falling off in the ice. No thanks, Rob. It's 11 in the morning, and hey, do you know anything about the cardboard cutout of a TV taped over the actual TV? Sure do, Bart. I bought that TV from the Shelbyville Outlets. It's a genuine fauna fun, uh, panaphonics. The TV says Sorny on it. 
Uh, yeah, it looks great. It's just significantly smaller than the actual TV and blocks quite a bit of it. Can you take it off when you get a sec? We see the TV and sure enough the real TV is barely visible underneath the crappy cardboard cutout Rob has made and taped over it. Yeah, sure. Rob slowly removes the cardboard from the TV and walks into his room where he slips on a roller skate and falls into the futon where his head gets stuck between the backrest. Instantaneously, Sammy the dog comes and starts biting his butt. Don't. Why is no one helping me? <laughs> Interior, Rob's apartment, Sunday late afternoon, 3 p.m. <clears throat> Harry walks into the kitchen that is now made to look like the Batcave. Sure, you can be Harry. He takes a step back, so he's... He is so stunned. Finally, my butler Harry is here. I'd like three eggs over easy with some avocado, a vitamin C water, some decaf green tea, and make it snappy. I don't know how much longer this pole is going to stay. I couldn't exactly find the stud. Rob immediately falls hard right on his head with a crash. Ow! Harry helps Rob up while shaking his head. Interior basement, Sunday early evening, 5 p.m. The roommates are all sitting around a table in the basement looking at Rob. Okay, so no more Mad Men, Simpsons, or Batman, but Fight Club, Life Aquatic, Mad Max, It's Always Sunny, Metal Gear, Metal Gear Solid, or any other series, movie, book, video game, or story of any kind is fine to recreate in the apartment. Got it. No problem. See, that wasn't so hard. Rob gets up to leave as all the th all three roommates let out an audible sigh. No, Rob, we can't have you playing dress up in the house anymore. You know we love you, but we'll have to ask you to find a new place if this continues. I'm honestly just worried about your safety. Sammy. Um, Emily, why don't you read Yeah, Sammy? Rob, you hit your head really hard yesterday. Rob double takes. Wait a minute. Dogs can talk? Oh. <laughs> bark, bark. Ah, <laughs> uh, raspberries. Rob, I know you're going through a tough time right now, and of course we're all here for you, but your behavior is becoming even more concerning than usual. What Harry is trying to say is we found a really good um, person for you to talk with that specializes in these types of situations. What Mary is trying to say is we made you a standing appointment every Monday at 11 a.m. for the next three months. You mean a therapist? Those are only for crazy people. I'm not going. Rob crosses his arms and pouts. You mean crazy people who quit their high-profile jobs, date seven women at the same time, break up with all seven of them at the same time, spend every waking moment dressing themselves, their apartment, and their dog to look like their favorite TV shows and movies while narcissistically recording the entire process? Harry points to the silent drone camera as him and Rob have a stare down. Continued. Rob. Finally, Rob blinks. Okay, I suppose it's a little hasty to break up with Cassandra before Halloween. They hand Rob the business card. He looks at it. It says Leslie Valentine. Shot man child <laughs> expert since 1904. Man child? I'm a man through and through. The three roommates shake their head, and Harry grabs the drone and points it at Rob to reveal that Rob was wearing a completely accurate Steve Zissou outfit, complete with red hat, shoes, and company cardstock. 
Is that why you are currently wearing Steve Zizou's outfit from the Life Aquatic, complete with the red cap, blue jumper, and limited edition Adidas shoes? Rob looks down at his clothes skeptically. What, these? That's just a coincidence. Rob realizes they are not buying this excuse. It's Lauderdale, all right? They aren't buying that excuse either. Okay, fine. I will consider meeting with Dr. Leslie Valentine tomorrow morning. If you all need to reach me here, is my card. It's an exact replica of the cardstock from The Life Aquatic, <laughs> with a center framing shot like in the film. All the roommates shudder. <laughs> Interior bar, Sunday evening number two, Sunday, 6.08 p.m. Rob and Bill sit at the table talking. So how was the first week of Project Free, Rob? Rob releases a long exhale. <sighs> Thanks for asking, man. It's been a long week. I didn't realize how much doing something you hate keeps you from realizing how much you hate doing nothing at all. I'm completely lost and miserable. I think I'm going to ask for my old job back and, and see if becoming a Republican donor... Um, uh, becoming a Republican donor wealthy is what life is all about. Wait, the guy I talked to last week was so focused on finding his true calling it seemed he could take on every shitty thing this world could throw at him. Yeah, well, that was all the way back there. You don't understand. I'm freaking out. I'm starting to hear things. Plus my dog, Robin, I mean, Sammy, is not handling it well at all. Cut to interior living room day. Sammy the dog is wearing a Robin costume looking mad and gnawing on her outfit. Interior bar Sunday evening. Rob, every time you make a serious decision, you immediately want to go back to what's comfortable. And then I have to listen to you bitch about how unsatisfied you are. Well, I'm not letting you off the hook again. Rob is speechless and on the verge of tears. <clears throat> You've made a major life-altering decision, and you need to give it, it at least a month before you go crawling back to what's comfortable. Rob begins quietly sobbing. Okay. Well, and speaking of major decisions, out of nowhere, my roommate, my roommates have forbidden me from decorating the apartment to look like our favorite movies and TV shows. Can you believe that? That was at least the 197th thing I was expecting to hear you to say. Tell me about it. First, doing whatever I wanted was awesome. I was sleeping all day and not getting up at 5 a.m. Oh, that reminds me. I can't seem to unset my alarm clock. Can you come over and unset it for me? Are you asking me to come over to your house every morning at 5 a.m. and hit the snooze button? Yeah, that's cool, right? No. Pfft, fine. Anyway, by Friday, anyway, by Friday, sleeping all day and night has no longer is no longer was no longer satisfied. This dropped me into a deep dark place where escape appeared impossible. But then, thankfully, I saw the light rising from the TV as Netflix, HBO, and our other favorite streaming networks played. Oh, man. What I would give to watch those shows and movies all day, every day. Exactly. And while I was watching those shows, I thought it would be fun to live as the characters, you know, to see what it's like. So I decorated the apartment to look like Mad Men, The Simpsons, and even the Batcave. Rob shows images of the decorated apartment to Bill. Damn, dude. Nice attention to detail. Must have taken forever. That's what I said. And did it take? F and it did take forever. But room. But my roommates told me I can't do that anymore, and that I have to see a therapist about my situation. Bunch of bullshit. Right? Well, 
I don't think it would hurt to talk with a professional about your current predicament. Really? You too? <laughs> Fine, I guess I'll go tomorrow. Yeah, man. I think it might uh, really help. Uh, same time next week. Is the Pope a bear wearing a big-ass Pope head who takes <laughs> stumps in the woods? Bill looks at him. Yes. Interior therapist's office, Monday morning, Monday, 11.48 a.m. Rob sits in a dimly lit and cozy-looking therapist's office with Dr. Leslie Ballantyne, 30s, 40s, attractive, pleasant, and genuine. Well, I completely agree with you um, that quitting my job, breaking up with my girlfriends, moving to my old apartment, oh, and dressing the house up like my favorite movies and TV shows are completely normal things to do. Thanks, Doc. I feel completely cured. Rob, I didn't say any of that. I said it sounds like you were going through a really tough time right now. Oh. <clears throat> yes, that is true. How I would love some tea. That is so nice of you to offer. You are very funny, Rob. Rob makes a sly, toothy, fake smile. And I think I can definitely help you. Before our next meeting, I'd really like you to read something. Rob interrupts her. Read something? Tell your story, walking lady. Okay. How about listening? Would that be better? Yeah, back in college I would listen to podcasts and audiobooks like it was my job, yo. Rob does a b-boy stance for some reason. Great. It's an audiobook called Simulation Disorder and Me. You can find it on Amazon. I guess anything better is than I guess anything's better than reading. Sure, send it away, Doc. Now, where's that tea? Leslie laughs as she texts him a, text him a link. Out of the corner of her eye, she notices a silent drone seemingly videotaping both of them. Oh, and if you are videotaping these sessions for your own personal reference and not for public display, that is totally fine with me. Videotaping? I don't have any idea what you're talking about. As Rob very clumsily tries to grab the drone while it's flying... Uh, Rob turns it off without breaking eye contact. This is my um, uh, a cell phone drone because I have a bad uh, a cell phone uh, service. Frankly, I'm offended that you wouldn't even think I was doing that. The camera screams now recording like it was Buzz Lightyear's pre-recorded voice. Leslie laughs again, shaking her head as she stands up. I'll see you next week, Rob. Exterior, walking down the street, midday. Monday, 12.37 p.m. Rob is walking down the street. Okay, let's see what this book is all about. Rob pulls up the Amazon app on his phone, and the drone records over his shoulder. We see his finger hovering over the Buy Now button when his novelty-loving <laughs> self gets the best of him, and he clicks other similarly suggested books and podcasts. He sees one with a super crappy-looking cover that someone clearly made with Microsoft Paint. Oh man, I love conspiracies. Simulation theory, I think that's what Leslie was talking about anyways. Rob hits play, puts giant, nondescript, oversized headphones on, and the episode begins. He continues to walk as a montage begins featuring all the best parts from the episode. Um, Sam, why don't you read the Seems in Reality podcast? Sure. Consciousness can be simulated with a computer. You simply use logic gates as stand-ins for the brain's synapses and neurotransmitters. 
I mean, if a mass of neurons can become self-aware, it seems pretty likely that it can come about in silicone as well. Additionally, it is believed that advances in civilization will have access to truly astounding amounts of computing power. Bostrom surmises that thousands of years in the future, our space jockeying successors use, may use nanomachines to transmute moons or even planets into massive planetary computers. It makes sense that such and developed civilization could use that massive computing power to run an ancestor simulation. Basically, an ultra-realistic version of the Sims focused on history of their one evolution. The making of even one of such seemingly real civilizations might sound amazing, but Bostrom concludes that thousands or even millions of these ancestor simulations could be pumped out by a single computer in the future. If we take this as true, then simulated human consciousness could be greatly outnumbered non-simulated ones. Therefore, we are considerably more likely to be living inside of a simulation right now than to be living in the so-called base reality. Rob walking home and getting totally mind-blown by what they're saying. Rob walking his dog, Rob riding the train, exercising, doing the dishes, eating, nodding to happy roommates. And so finally, the episode ends. Rob looks at his phone completely lost. The episode pops back on with a quick suggestion. And if you want to learn more about simulation theory, check out our new show, notes with links to all the YouTube videos, articles, and books we use to create this episode. Rob pulls it up and sees a treasure trove of information about simulation theory, of which he sets about consuming as he walks off into the sunset. Interior bar, Sunday evening number three, Sunday 6.08 p.m. Rob walks up to the table where Bill is already sitting and sits down looking lost as can be, like a drug, ad drug addict turning a bag inside out, hoping desperately that more white powder will magically appear. Wow, did you consume ten years of meth since the last time we spoke? Rob shakes his head. I don't think so. But I was just listening to this incredible podcast. The waiter walks by and Rob asks, asks for more water. Which puts me on the road to all of this other incredibly mind-blowing stuff. And they were... Well, as you know, I saw a therapist last week, and she suggested I listen to a, a podcast about simulation theory. Did she really say that, Rob? I mean, basically. She said listen to an audiobook on simulation disorder. How much different could that be? Bill puts his palm over his face. Probably a lot different. Well, regardless, I'm listening to this podcast now, uh, and now having these really cool thoughts about how maybe life isn't even real. Maybe it's just some advanced computer simulation? Wait, where is this coming from? Rob pulls out a notebook akin to Russ Cole and True Detective filled with evidence that life is a simulation. Like, what if Mad Men is just someone's actual life and we're just watching the highlights? Dude, you're watching entirely too much Black Mirror. Yes, exactly. Great example. Okay, but we've been watching those shows for years. Why do you all of a sudden think there's some part of some elaborate computer simulation? I listened to this five-hour podcast about it a couple of times and then consumed every other podcast, video, article, book, and document on the subject I could find. I even guest appeared on this other podcast about simulation here. <laughs> 
Here we go. It's another Rob Stops Eating Salt moment where you end up in the ER with hypotremia. That was only because my blood got too desalinated and could no longer deliver the nutrients to my, my body needed to live. Bill is on the verge of laughing because that's exactly what happened. <laughs> okay, fine. But this time is different. I swear. Rob goes into the exact explanation of why we are living in a simulation. So we're living in the Matrix. Kind of. It's like the Matrix in the Matrix. Okay, so it's like Inception then? Again, kind of, but it goes inside itself forever. There are no simulated, there are no simula simulated bottom layers, um, though there is predicted to be a base reality. You know like when you walk past two mirrors facing each other and it seems like it goes, like they go on forever? Yeah. It's like that only with different simulations of reality stretching out forever. Because not only are we in a simulation, but we are on the precipice of creating a simulation with a simulation which leads me to believe that God only knows how many simulations deep we are. Or maybe even God herself is in the simulation. You hear us up there, Gertie? Bill nods his head. This is making way too much sense right now. I should not have smoked before meeting. <laughs> right? But that's not even the craziest part. Remember the time I got tricked into smoking uh, salvia at Grace Place, and I said I felt like it went away, like I went away for a few years? Dude, I think that was real reality, or base reality, or whatever. Well, if memory serves, you also thought raptors were eating your insides, and then you tried to fight them with a kitchen knife. <laughs> was that real reality, too? No, I think that was a hallucination. But maybe it was just a sub a sub simulation, like the raptor eating your guts out uh, guts out simulation level or something. Hinting at the follow, at the forthcoming Batman world. No, remember? Flashback. Interior: Greg and Adrian's apartment. Night. Rob, twenty-one, head full of long hair, and Bill, twenty-one, head full of bright red hair, pale, is sitting around a table playing poker with Greg, twenty-one, short and portly. Adrian, twenty-two, normal height, glasses thicker. Scott, 28, taller, skinny, sleazy, and Holland, 19, short, dumb, and drunk. Tuesday, 10.38 p.m. Adrian is yelling at Holland. Um, for Adrian, let's, uh, why don't you be Adrian? A solo cup, you stupid shit! We see Greg as he impatiently looks at Rob. Let's you be Greg. Rob, do you call? Uh, yeah, just give me a second here. Rob looks at his cards, then the cards are, then at the cards already showing, then at his cards, then at his opponents, then back at his cards. Greg is about to yell at Rob again, but so stops himself when he remembers something. Dude, who's up to try that crazy synthetic weed I got at the head shop? Oh yeah, man, that shit is the best thing I've ever had. Who's up? Sammy yeah. yeah, man, that shit got me absolutely twisted. I was hiding in my bathroom for like a nap. Adrian and Greg browbeat Scott while Holland raises his drunk hand. Holland, put your hand down. Rob, you have to try it. Seriously, man, it's amazing. Rob is not really paying attention as he's unsuccessfully trying to bluff <clears throat> that he doesn't have good cards. Yeah, yeah, sure thing. I call and raise 100. Everyone looks at his stack and realizes he only has 120. Dude, why wouldn't you just go all in? Uh, because I don't want to. Pfft. It's a thing called strategy, dude. <laughs> I fold. Me too. Uh, Sam's got... Same. 
Uh, God damn it. Are you fucking serious? The one time I have pocket rockets with an ace on the turn and you saw he dick... You saw he dick attaches fold like a pair of grandma's sunglasses on a cloudy day. Typical. Rob throws his card's face down the, on the table in frustration. Greg speaks up. Rob, you up and try the synthetic weed we just picked up from the head shop? It will get you twisted, son! <laughs> yeah, man. Well, let's give it a shot. Uh, you vagine McGeansteins would never do it. <laughs> Great, let's head to my room for the ceremonial roasting of our favorite herb to defy our gods. They all get up and walk to Adrian's room, and to Adrian's room night. They all sit around Adrian's room in various places. Rob looks around and realizes all the sharp corners in the room have padding tape to them. Adrian, why did you cover all your electrical sockets and tape padding to every corner? Um, having painters come. Alright. They finish packing a bowl super tight with salvia. Alright, here you go, Rob. Light her up. As Greg, Adrian, and Scott all look on in pre-joke excitement. Oh, yeah. Wait, why am I going first? Holland raises his hand. I'll go first. Pipe down. <laughs> well, we, we've already tried it and love it, so we wanted to give you a chance to experience it as well. Everyone slightly giggles, but Rob doesn't hear them because he's kind of a blowhard. Makes sense. Let's do this. Rob takes a massive rip and clears the bong. He holds it in, in, he holds it in for a little while until exhaling an insane amount of smoke. He sits there as his friends start to laugh as if they've just pulled a joke on him. Rob looks around slightly embarrassed. Wait, what's going on? Adrian speaks up. Rob, you see anything new? No. Wait, did I just smoke potpourri again? <laughs> Finally, Bill, who has bore witness to this entire spectacle, speaks up. Alright, Rob, I think you're good. Synthetic weed is clearly bullshit. Now let's go play 7-Eleven or Dumbles or something. Adrian cuts him off while repacking the bong. Nah, man, take another. I swear, this shit is amazing. We have to get on our level. Rob, you don't have to. You're the boss. Rob lights it up again and pulls another massive bong hit. He holds it in and his friends begin to laugh. Rob starts laughing as well and exhales. That's when, he come, that's when we see the world from Rob's perspective. And the film comes off the projector, and suddenly Rob is transported to another world. Shot, we see Rob in the third person with what appears to be VR goggles behind his head. As we get closer to his head, and it appears to go into his head, and we see his friends laughing. And then the film strip comes off, and the track, and all he sees is white. It pulls back again, and he's in this green, lush land. The shot is a third person medium to extreme close to the strip coming off the reel and the white exploding in to see Rob naked walking through the mountains. Alternate without VR and a flashback. Yeah, and then I went away to this beautiful green oasis and followed this smoking hot chick into a tent that was way bigger on the inside. She was gone, but I did find you and Adrian and everyone else's faces built into the support columns of the building. It was fucking crazy. And then I freaked out and backed away and was like... I fell into nothingness for days, weeks, or even months. I can't tell you how long, but when I came back, it felt like years. I literally couldn't believe I was still in that room from so damn long ago. Yeah, you were scared as fuck, man. I can't believe you want to go back to that. I think it was so scary because it was like drinking water out of a fire hose. It was incredibly intense, and I was not prepared for it. And all. 
Exterior Green Mountain Field Park Day, NA00 AM PM. It's very lush and green. It's in Utah and the. How do you pronounce it? Uintas. Uintas, where there is no one else there. <clears throat> Rob sees a tent in the distance. This entire VR scene is shot in third person like SOCOM. A beautiful naked woman summons him into the tent so he follows her. Interior tent building day. Inside the tent, it's clearly much larger than the outside, and there are strange hallways where each one of the columns are green and each one of his friend's faces is within each column. In the center of the room is a hospital bed with a dude who kind of looks like Rob talking to an older dude who kind of looks like Rob's dad. Um, Leslie, why don't you be... Robbie? Uh, actually, um, John, Robbie, Leslie, Dom... Wait, that's I fucked something up here. I think Bob is supposed to be Robbie. I'm gonna use the bathroom real quick. Alright, yeah, let's take uh take five. Or two. Really looking forward to seeing uh the movie. Keep those expectations medium. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. You guys uh ready to jump back in? Yeah. Yeah. I'll start back from the screen directions. Sure. Interior tent building day. Inside the tent, it's clearly much larger than the outside, and there are strange hallways where each one of the columns are green, and each one of his friend's faces is within the, each column. In the center of the room is a hospital bed with a dude who kind of looks like Rob, talking to an older dude who kind of looks like Rob's dad. Hey, Dad, you don't have to worry about money anymore. I've got it covered. Um, Emily, do you want to be now? Yeah. That's it, Robbie. Get out of here right now. But Dad, I just wanted you to... Now. Robbie walks away beside himself as Don clutches his chest and dies. This spooks Rob to his core as he walks backwards right into another scene. He spins around to see a young, scared-looking kid being dropped off at an orphanage. Okay, you be a good boy. We'll be back for you very soon. They drive off, and a hungry, evil-looking bishop welcomes him into the orphanage. Sam, will you be the bishop? Welcome, Jacob. We're all very excited to have you. Bishop begins rubbing his back and arms almost sensually as he pushes him through the door. This spooks Rob even worse, and he backs into yet another scene. Rob is now in the back seat of a car as a young girl of 14 years old struggles to stop a 19-year-old boy from taking her shirt off. Sammy B. Damien. Come on, babe. My shirt's off. Don't make me feel like an idiot. It's your turn now. No, thanks. I'm okay. Damien gets a little more forceful and leans forward slightly trying to help her remove her shirt, and then resorts to forcing her shirt off. I said no! Rob leans forward to try and stop this scene, but falls forward into the column where Adrian's face is resting. Maybe you notice in the background of this scene is a door labeled Base Reality. This scene, this basically wipes Rob's mind, and then he goes in closer to see his friend's face. What the hell? Adrian, is that you? Whoa, calm down, dude. This shakes Rob to his very core, and all of his friends who are now in Pillars corner him into a door called Nowhere, where he falls back into an endless blackness and floats for what feels like an eternity. Interior, exterior, endless blackness night. So I'm on the third Saturday day, 11-11-XM. Rob floats in midair, uncomfortably at peace with his current predicament. His face grows a beard, and he contemplates massive things until he solves all the problems he's interested in and resorts to childish antics. He throws his shoe as far back as he can, only it becomes it, only it comes back and hits him in the back. 
montage. He gets older and older through each scene akin to 2001, eventually realizing he can manifest anything he wants. He says rated N for adults only as a bunch of attractive women on a bed start a pillow fight. Reenacts of all his favorite Twilight Zone episodes, guy breaking his glasses and can't read his books. There's something on the wing, something. He plays chess against the devil and continues to be bad at bluffing with something sealed. Eventually, after his amazing wife's tragic passing from flipping her vet at the age of 96, he dies of apparently natural causes after finally beating the devil. His face hits up the floating table and he exhales. Note, this is ego death, going through the motion so that something greater can go forth. Interior agent Adrian's room, night, continuous. After his death, the camera floats to its original position and the film goes back onto the strip and he comes to, and he comes to sitting in the same seat. The camera pulls out a v, the VR helmet on the back of Rob's head. Film all flashbacks in DV, friend's house, and 16mm film. Rob's friends are all talking to each other and trying to make the best out of the night. Rob picks up something is not right with their vibe. Oh my god. I'm still in this room? Eventually, er er everyone bursts out laughing. Rob is back from his magical journey. Dude, how long was I gone? Adrian looks at his watch. 15, 20 minutes. Dude, you tried to attack us with a knife. You called us raptors! Yeah, dude, you were really strong. It took all four of us to hold you down and pry the knife out of your hands. Luckily, it was a butter knife, but still. Flashback and a flashback. Excuse me. Rob's eyes are out of. Rob's eyes are as big as dinner plates, struggling as they knock the knife out of his hands. Raptors! Raptors everywhere! Eating my flat insides! We see a bunch of inflatable raptor costumes attacking and eating his super realistic looking guts. Note, his mind was in two places at once the raptor simulation and the infinite blackness, showing that he's already in multiple simulations within simulations at the same time. End of flashback within the flashback. God, I literally thought you guys were raptors eating my guts. Dude, was I really only gone 15 minutes? That felt like decades. Dude, I told you he would trip fucking balls. Everyone laughs again. Rob is stunned they would, uh, they would make light of the most profound and traumatizing event he's ever experienced. What? What? Why would you guys tell me to do that? A bee passes. They all shrug their shoulders. Rob pans to the room to see Bill looking concerned but slightly intrigued. Uh, Alright, Rob is mostly back. Time to see what all the fuss is about. Bill reaches for the newly packed bong. Rob reaches out to stop him only to have Adrian overrule. Dude, don't. But it's too late as Bill takes a huge single rip. He sits back as if getting a glance at the rocking tilts of the universe. End of flashback, interior bar, Sunday evening. Sunday, 6.57 p.m. Remember that? Oh, yeah. That show was fucking crazy. We were traumatized for months after that. You said the world wasn't real and we were all fooling ourselves? It wasn't until you got with that Cassie that you started to calm down. Yeah. And yeah, sweet, beautiful, whatever you want, college sex with Cassie. My... What that can cure. They both sigh. Yeah, that and driving headfirst into work full time to keep myself from thinking about it. That's seriously the only thing that kept me relative, relatively sane since then. 
the whole experience didn't even make, make sense until I saw Inception a few years later. I think I went straight into the damn near base level of reality. Maybe breaking out of the simulation is my purpose and what it, this incredibly violent energy wants me to do. Okay, I understand you were upset and traumatized, but I'm really tired of this simulation talk. What does that even mean? Like, if we were in a simulation, what difference does it even make? That's a good question. I don't know, but I feel a strong urge to continue pushing. Uh, plus, Milan Tusk huh. is coming to town soon to talk about this latest electric car model launch. I'm going to just ask him directly. Well, shit, man. You're one of the most determined dudes I know, so if that's what you think, I say go for it. Just don't make this another one of your crash diets where you only eat beans for a year. We all remember how that ended. Gosh, how many times do I need to be reminded of this story? If he wouldn't have put his head down there, he'd still be alive. Bill gets a call on his phone. This is work. I gotta take this. Same time next week. Bill covers the voice piece on the phone. Yes, sir. Rob, please, just don't do anything too crazy. Rob is on his phone typing something. He looks up. Really? Bill pulls his phone down to look at it and sees Rob is about to tweet a shirtless pic of himself to Milan Tusk with his big binder full of simulation theory evidence with the tagline, Can't wait to see you tomorrow, Milan. <laughs> wow. Really? Hmm. Yeah, you're... Pissigably, right? I mean, probably right. Rob crops the image so it doesn't show that he's completely naked. We blur out Rob's nudeness. Interior therapist's office, morning, Monday, 11.48 a.m. Rob sits on the couch in the therapist's office. These truly frightening experiences spook me into an endless broom closet. And it's crazy because I was never in an orphanage or got in a fight with an old guy in an insane asylum or was a girl who got sexually assaulted. No idea what all this means or where it's coming from. Well, trauma is actually genetic, and these could very well not even be your traumas, but one of your relatives are unfortunately just as real to you as they were to the people who experienced them. I can't stop thinking about them. How do I get them to go away? Well, unfortunately, the only way to make them go away is to face them. Really? Afraid so. Both metamorphically and genetically, the sins of the father truly do become the sins of the son. Damn you, ancestors. Well, how long will that take to face and overcome them? I think for someone as open-minded and as driven as you are, with the right medication, and continuing our sessions, I would say around two years. Two years? I've run out of money by then. I hear you. Let's discuss this in more detail next week. And in the meantime, I'd really like you to do some research on different medications for anxiety. I highly recommend talking with a good friend of mine, Dr. Spitchman. Spitchman. She will know more specifics than me. Research? You got it.
interior to conference room night, <clears throat> Monday, 7.49 p.m. Rob sits in a busy conference room listening to Milan Tusk speak. Uh, let's Sam, what would he be, Milan? Life can't create life. Life has always existed and will always exist. Even if we dropped every last nuclear bomb on every square foot of the planet, life would continue on. How did the first microses, or microbes rather, come to exist? Our teachers always glossed over how the first living bacteria came to be. They came from what we thought wasn't alive, but everything is actually alive, just on different levels or frequencies. And that's why my favorite color is blue. Next question. The crowd confusedly claps. I think I speak for everyone when I say this example of how you think is probably how you were able to achieve so much substantial positive change in the world. You may have a point there. I hope everyone out there is as excited about the new blue type 3. Mr. Tusk, thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. Massive crowd applause. Okay, now, as promised, I'd like to open up the podium to anyone who'd like to ask a question. The screen switches to VR and the time and date change to nonsense. Luna is 800 Bleaglock CM. Rob bolts up to the stage and slightly trips, which allows Phil, 38 nerd single, lives at home with his mom, to get in front of him at the last second. Uh, Emily, why don't you be Phil? Uh, hi, Mr. Tusk. Long-time fan. First-time question asker. Phil chuckles to himself. No one else laughs. So, when you forecasted that 100,000 new Type 3 Ednas would be ready by this year, did you know you would be so profoundly wrong? I mean, does someone make a mistake of that magnitude and still keep their job? Don't you think you should step down after a massive mistake and let someone who knows what they're doing take over? The crowd rumbles and doesn't like this question. No, no, quiet down everyone. You may have a point. Uh, I prefer to be referred to by the pronoun Z. Have you ever been five minutes late to anything in your life? Phil was caught off guard. Well, one time someone stole my bicycle tire, so I had to navigate the bus system to my job at a grocery store clerk, and was approximately five minutes late. Okay, and how much did they dock your pay? Um, I was given one dermot, and they took half of one hour of my pay. And how much is your hourly pay? Eleven sixty-five an hour. Okay, so you lost. Uh, Five dollars and eighty-two and a half. Wait, what? Dollars, eh? Yes, minus any taxes they would have taken. And how badly did that hurt you financially? It didn't hurt bad at all, though my mom was quite upset with me. Phil confidently laughs. No one else laughs. Okay. And you losing six dollars is the equivalent to how bad this so-called misforecast has cost me? Though after I slept with your mother, she was quite happy and said she forgave you as well. The crowd goes wild and he drops the mic and goes to walk off the stage. Rob quickly runs up to the mic. Wait, Mr. Tusk, what about the, the simulation theory? Was your forecast wrong because someone else messed with the simulation? Is there any way to escape from it? Please, I'm stuck and I'm just looking for some direction. 
Milan is about off the stage, and then he comes back, picks up the mic, and looks Rob dead in the eye. There is no way this is a simulation, and even if it was, there would be no way of escaping it. Also, I wouldn't talk to the gentleman in that row right there. They don't have any idea how to break out. Alternate. Suit. Turns suit. Suit turns better. Turns suit. Milan points to a group of serious-looking men in suits, drops the mic, and walks off. Huh? <clears throat> what? We switch from VR to 16 to 9. Someone taps Rob on the shoulder as he turns and realizes he's on the ground and just hallucinated that entire experience after tripping on a wire running up to the stage. It was an all-unconscious all concussion dream. Um, Emily, can you read that? Sir, are you okay? I think you're bleeding. Rob feels his head, and sure enough, there's blood running down it. Out of the way, Phil. Rob shoves him out of the way and runs toward a group of serious-looking businessmen and women. Excuse me, sirs and ma'ams. The group of suited people turn around, similar to the scene in Mr. Robot, Robot, where all the people are silhouetted. One woman steps forward as if speaking for the entire group. You sure want to be suitable? Yes. Hi, I understand you're all trying to break out of the simulation. I was wondering if we could potentially join forces. The entire group immediately turns around to walk away. Wait, I think I know how to break through. You guys are progressively, probably still stuck in the weird room with the freaky traumas, right? <laughs> all 12, 12 of them stop in their track. None turn around except the one who s- said the single word before. Very Mulholland Drive-like. She walks slowly and calmly toward Rob. I thought so. Okay, if you want my help, here are my list of demands. I want 67 copies of the movie day. The book or the movie? They made a book out of that movie? <laughs> the calm woman covers Rob's head with a big, with a black bag in front of the crowd without hesitation. Wait, I have more crazy demands. All the lights go out. Interior scary looking basement night. Tuesday, 3.42 a.m. Rob comes to tied in a chair. Droney wakes him up. No, Mom, I can't put any more pudding in my pants. A what? Where am I? I'll kill you. I'll kill all of you. Where the hell did that come from? Rob notices it's just him and Droney. Oh, Droney, thank God. How the hell did you get in here? Droney makes a bunch of fan sounds of various pitches. Wow, that many? Nice work. Quick. Now, uh, now see if you can untie me. Droney goes down to the knots and tries to untie him but can't. The door starts creaking open. Droney, they're coming. Hide. Droney makes an, inf- an affirmative sound. Then a couple of the suited people come in to interrogate him. They're super serious and scary. Oh, hey there, folks. Any luck finding those 67? One of them punches Rob in the face hard. Angry suited man, late 40s, hairy, angry, sleeves of the suit rolled up, similar to the grizzled and hairy bad detective in Sin City. Ooh, good one. Okay, Maybe just not punching me in the face is my next demand. Sam, why you be angry? Who told you about the room? He slaps Rob hard across the face. Uh. Who told you? Slaps him again. Just tell me what you want me to say and I'll say it. Tell me! The suited woman finally steps in as the angry man steps back and begins to light a blowtorch. Hi, Rob. 
please just tell us the name of the person who told you about the room. It will make this process much less painful for you. Uh, the blowtorch comes closer and closer until the suited man puts her hand. Suited woman puts her hand up. The angry man stops. <sighs> tell us who told you, or we will kill your friend Bell and his pregnant wife Tessa. Okay, I'll tell you. I took two massive bomb rips of Salvia and went to another world, which I think is base reality, or at least the in-between area. The two men tighten up as the suited woman whispers something to the angry suited man. The angry suited man turns turns off the blowtorch and walks out of the room, breathing hard as if he's just got something, as if he's got something really bad planned. Salvia, you say? Could you describe the room in complete detail? Yeah, it was like a tent on the outside, and then when you went in, it seemed like a crazy bigger than on the inside. Um, oh, also, there was a really hot uh, nude woman who I followed in, but then couldn't seem to find. What I did find was a couple of really scary, like nightmare scenarios that seemed to be some sort of loop. I never seen them. I never seen them before, but they were unbelievably frightening. And then I fell into this endless broom closet. That I just seemed to float in for what seemed like around 70 years, and then I died. At which, at which point I woke back up in the same room I had been in pre-Salvia 15 minutes earlier. Wow, that's further than any of our psychonauts have ever gotten. How did you get past the traumas? Well, actually I didn't. Um, they just uh, scared the shit out of me, and I fell into a broom closet that was filled with infinity space, and that was... Then I able to fill with anything I wanted. She whispers something to the group behind her in the shadows. Okay, show us. I'm not sure how I'm going to do that with the sal- uh, do that as Salvia was outlawed in 2007. And if memory serves, I'm not going to be able to be super coherent and able to describe it to you. The angry suited man kicks the door in and drops what appears to be a brick of salvia, a giant bong with ice in it, and a weird electronic box with wires and needles sticking out of it. Well, I'll be damned. Salvia, my old nemesis. It's been a while. Please proceed. Well, here's the thing. I'm still scared shitless of those weird situations, so I'm not sure I'll be any additional help. But if you let me go, I'll keep up with my therapy and find the right meds for the next two years or so. I should be more than able to help. The suited woman nods as the angry suited man swings back a baseball bat. Uh, wait, did I say years? Because I meant days. Give me two days, and I will come back and show you exactly how to get past those weirdos. I promise. The suited woman lifts her hand as the angry suited man stops the swing millimeters from her head and holds it there. Stop. The suited woman looks over her shoulder and gets a nod from someone in the shadow. You have 48 hours. They throw a bag over his head as the light goes dark. Okay. Exterior road, midday. The scene is in VR. 12.34 p.m. Tuesday. Rob comes to with a canvas bag over his head and his hands tied together, while Droney keeps ramming him to wake up. Ow. What the hell keeps, kidding, keeps hitting me? Droney makes a fan sound really loud. Droney, oh, it's you. Rob uses, te- uses his teeth to untie the rope on his wrists. Rob undoes his hand ropes and then his feet and then looks around. Droney, where the hell are we? Droney makes a sound that sounds like, I don't know. Dude, where the where the hell even is the desert, is a desert near Chicago? Those people are such dicks. Rob gets up and starts walking. 
You haven't seen my phone or wallet or keys or chapstick, have you? Droney makes an excited sound. Oh, damn, Droney, you were worth your weight in gold. I can't believe you saved my phone. Droney drops his chapstick into his hands. Chapstick? Awesome. My lips are super chap. Come on, let's hitchhike. Droney pulls out to reveal that Rob is in the middle of nowhere for seemingly hundreds of miles. Exterior desert, midday. Rob has been walking for hours and is starting to hallucinate. He thinks he sees Bill in the distance, but it turns out to be a giant semi-truck. It drives by and slams on its brakes. Pay dirt! Rob runs up to the truck and waves back at Droney to hurry up. Interior semi-truck, midday, continuous. Rob is riding in the... Riding... In the right of the bench seat with Droney flying back and forth. The driver, Salubrious or Sally, as they refer to prefer to be called, Gulf War vet, mid forties, grizzled, long hair, bandana, similar to the guy who humps bridges in wet hot American summer. Emily, will you be Sal? Yep. After my third deployment, I decided enough was enough and I bought a boat. After sailing solo to all seven continents, I decided enough was enough and bought a nice little plot of land, which is how we came to meet each other today. Oh. Wait, you own all of this? The camera turns and scans the horizon, showing a flat desert as far as the eye can see. Yes, sir, Rebob. It ain't much, but it's mine, and boy howdy, in the springtime you wouldn't believe the flower blooms. Waterfalls, water slides, water balloons, water bubbles, water bottles, water hole. Really is a mermaid's paradise. The camera looks again. Still endless desert. I can only imagine. Anyway, enough about old suburb. Salubrious. Salubrious. Or Sal, as my friends call me. Ain't that right, boys? He hits on the truck bed in the back and maybe hears some groans. Tell me more about you besides... Besides heading back to town. Well, I'm Rob. I'm currently unemployed and I'm joining the Slate 3 Shadow versions of myself so that I can, uh, so that a couple of billionaires don't kill me or my loved ones, but I have no idea how to do it, so I'm progressively, probably going to get myself into a bunch of another innocent people killed in the process. <laughs> if I had a nickel for every time I heard that, I'm pleased. <laughs> Hawaiian Americans. It's not nice to call them shadows anymore. <laughs> what about this one? You're awfully quiet, aren't you? Oh yeah, that's Droney. Sal he... cuts him off. Hey, he? I'm sorry, what did you just refer to the flying camera thing he has? Um, I said he was a he? <laughs> Are you serious? It's the year 20-something or another, and it is our right to no longer be limited by these fascist... Wow. These big fascist communocentric. <laughs> Gender pronouns that we have enslaved our forebears, pallbearers, from true expression for far too long. <laughs> Note, Sal's true expression is that of a mermaid. <laughs> okay... I didn't watch my friends die face down in the muck. Koyana <laughs> Scotsy. Yep, that word. <laughs> sit here and let you debase this precious little swimming angel by limiting their essence with a heat. Right. So, what would you like me to call them? Or them, I mean. 
Now there's the million dollar question, friendo. Please refer to this nice young machine as... Sal suddenly jerks the wheel. Up hang on, we got another beautiful maid of the sea... Nifer... Mermaid. <laughs> mermaid in need of a ride. Hang on to your fins. Sal jerks the wheel really hard as both Rob and Droney slam their respective heads into the dashboard as the truck screeches to a halt. Dazed. Um, is there another seat somewhere? Now you're calling them seats? Where did the Scouts of America go wrong? I mean, Jimmy Christmas. Jiminy Christmas. <laughs> so, so rolls Robbie window down and, hells, and yells at Gwen, uh, Guinevere. Is that right? Genevieve. 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 17 with the life experience of a 100-year-old fresh from what appears to be a 1,000 music festivals back-to-back. Where are you heading, mermaid? Wherever the wind takes me, friendo. Sal licks his finger and puts it in the air. Feels like the wind is heading this way. Ain't that right, boys? Hop in. Sal hits the back of the truck again, and maybe we hear groans over the running engine. Wait, did you just call someone boys? Sal thinks about it and shakes his head as if banishing the thought. No, I said toys. Ain't that right, toys? We're shipping toys. You should probably get your hearing checked there, pal. Genevieve comes towards the truck and hops in. Wow, the entire thing, the whole mountain? You ate their entire way up? That's what they said, and yes, it's true. We did, in fact, eat the entire Brownie Mountain. That is absolutely fascinating. I know it is. Genevieve sleeps between Sal and partially on Rob's shoulder while Rob looks absolutely miserable. Suddenly, an alarm goes off. Sal snaps into action. Up, time for pills. Hey, there, uh, Rob, would you like Swimming Angel of the Sea? And grab my bottle of pills. They're in the pack right above your head. The camera looks up and sees two identical bags. Come on now, I don't have all day. Rob grabs one of the packs, opens it up, and finds what looks like a prescription bottle. That's my guppy. Sal snatches the pill bottle, pops the top off with one hand, throws back about eight of the pills, and chases it with a previously unseen handle of whiskey. <sighs> that right there is the good stuff. Rob puts the pack back where he found it. Then he lets out a large belch and attempts to hand the bottle to the sleeping mouth agape <clears throat> Genevieve, who doesn't take it, so Sal attempts to hand it to Rob, who is bored, so bored that he accepts it. Maybe this will give you some answers. Rob takes a big, uh, big pull and immediately spits it all over the windshield. What God's name is this? That will put the song in your siren. Tastes like straight bleach. <laughs> Shush. Don't give it away. Me old gin-slapping secret recipe. Suddenly Genevieve wakes up. Don't touch my stuff! Everyone gets a bit frightened. I mean, who's going through my stuff? Genevieve pulls down Sal's bag to see that it's open and a pill bottle is missing. Oh, I was just grabbing Sal's pills. Those weren't Sal's pills. Who the hell's pills were they? The truck jerks back and forth. Whoo-wee! This is backcountry out here, toy. Uh, Genevieve, whose pills were they? I'm coming for you, sappy. You and that little boy of yours. They weren't his, that's for sure. Give me that ball, you sucker. They all slide as far away from Sal as possible. Well, then who the hells were they? 
It's an experimental concoction of my very own. It's a combination of ketamine, molly, and cocaine, which I call ketamolly cane. I was on my way back with it to do some experiments. Experiments on what? We were trying to figure out the quickest way to heal emotional trauma sustained in the reptile brain. You're giving drugs to reptiles? No. The reptile brain is the most ancient part of human brain that we share with reptiles that still live today. Well, how long does it last? I'm not sure. We were going to test it on horses first. You just gave me horse drugs? Well, yes. <laughs> well, yes. But as long as he doesn't get wet or eat after midnight, we should be fine. Wait, that's for taking care of Mogway from the movie Gremlins. <laughs> what the hell are we supposed to do? Genevieve shrugs her shoulders. Rob thinks and then slowly reaches slowly reaches slowly in an, an attempt to apprehend the wheel. And Sal turns toward him and hisses. No, no, I don't think we should do that. We certainly can't drive in this state. Genevieve pulls out a big red book by Carl Jung that appears to be checked out from Harvard. I think the driving of this rig is the only thing grounding Sal to our reality. If we take it from him, he could lo- we could lose him to abstract thoughts forever. No, don't. That's mine. Ooh, that's too hard. I'm sorry. Please stop. Please. I promise to grow gills. Well, then what the hell are we supposed to do? Oh, Sal. Sally boy. Sal looks in Genevieve's direction and sniffs the air almost zombie-like. Come here, boy, and give your old Sam Peppy a hug. Sam Peppy? Is that you? Oh, I've missed you so much. You said you were just going out for cigarettes, but I haven't seen you in such a long time. Yes, yes, I've missed my grandson. Give me a hug. Sal dives in for a hug and accidentally hits the wheel, sending the entire rig hurling off a cliff towards the rocks below. Everyone screams as they become weightless. Cut to interior Rob's room Monday morning. Screen goes back to 16.9. Tuesday, 5.49 a.m. Rob snaps up in bed and sits there. Whoa, was that all just a dream? He looks over and then there's an envelope with For the Dreamer written on it. Oh, I guess. Part of it was... Please be a check from Grandma. Please be a check from Grandma. He opens the envelope and it just says, You have one week. That's Fuck. supposed to say two days. Two days. Fuck! Rob picks up his phone to call Bill. Now I've got to figure this out if there's any truth to this drug trauma treatment therapy. Montage. Rob does tons of research on ways to get past demons and overcome trauma. Finds out it is in fact the reptile brain that is responsible for this. Discovers MDMA therapy. Opens our mind, open our minds repress things that we don't understand to survive in hopes that a later at a later time we will be more able to understand and to come to terms with whatever happened. Decides to meet Doctor Spackman, Spachemin, Spachemin, and ask for a prescription for Adderall, ketamine therapy, and MDMA therapy. Interior Doctor Spachemin's office, day, Tuesday, eleven thirteen a.m. Rob is meeting with the Doctor Spachemin, mid forties, Indian, very. Serious, but with a good heart. Idea, funny line, slow your Adderall. Uh, Sherry, do you want to be mm-hmm. Dr. Spachemin? We can talk about Adderall and ketamine therapy, therapy, but I'm sorry, no. I can't prescribe you to Molly or MDMA or E. I understand you've read some articles, which I have also read, on all the benefits. But right now, it's a Schedule One narcotic, and the science isn't conclusive. Years of therapy in a single session? I don't think you understand the situation I'm in. And that is? You wouldn't believe me if I told you. Try me. 
I can't. And why not? Because those scary suits told me they'd kill me and all my loved ones. You don't say. And how long have they been saying this? Well, we met them a few days ago, but they made it quite clear. Interesting. What exactly did they make clear? They said if I don't figure out a way to defeat the three traumas in a week, I won't be able to make it through the membrane and conclusively prove that all this elaborate simulation with a group of billionaires trying to prove their way through, they will kill me and my best friend and the wife and the unborn child and probably the family. I think they just said that. Uh, and I think they just said them too. Hmm, interesting. How long have you been having these thoughts? Well, I've thought we were in a simulation since I smoked this really crazy drug salary back in college. But the whole group of suited billionaire week time frame is relatively new development. You don't say. Hold that thought. Finally, someone who understands. If you could put the E in the in a little baggie, that could be ideal. Oh. And I'd love if they had something fun stamped into them, like a picture of a dog or a Batman symbol, but not the 89 Batman, like Dark Knight Batman. Then Dr. Spichemin picks up his phone. Yep. Yes, please come right away. What was that about? Was that you sending an emergency psych who can prescribe the MDMA? Not exactly. Just someone who will give you what you need. Suddenly, two orderlies burst in and grab Rob. Wait... I don't have this beaten a week. They'll kill everyone. Probably you too. A struggle ensues and they pull Rob out, forcing a needle in him to calm him down. Wait, no, stop. You don't understand. Rob almost passes out, but then wakes up at the last second. I'll kill you all. I met myself. Why do I keep saying that? <laughs> the lights go dim and finally out. Interior, rubber room, night. Tuesday, 2.59 p.m. Rob comes to wearing a straight jacket. He keeps coming, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he looks around and sees Drony. Oh, thank God, Drony. You're still here. Wait, how'd you get in? Drony makes some noise. You just follow me in? I swear, Drony, you were like a little flying mechanical Buddha. Drony makes a oom sound with his blades that kind of sounds like Gizmo from Gremlins. Okay, now how are we going to get out of here? The door opens and Dr. Shansbury... Uh, 52 portly glasses and different addicted to painkillers comes in with two orderlies. Sam, only be that guy. Well, hello there, Rob. How are you feeling today? I feel great. A little chilly, I suppose. Then Dr. Shansbury doesn't listen and reads the chart. Is that right? Hallucinations? Extreme paranoia? Questioning existence? Violent threats? Ooh, boy, this one is a doozy. Then Dr. Shansbury shuts the chart and looks in Rob's general direction. Well, Rob, uh, would you mind telling me a little about what's going on? Hi, Dr. Shansbury. I'm fine, really. Uh, I was playing a little joke on my Dr. Spachemin, and he took it literally. Can I please go now? I'm sorry, Rob. You gave him quite a scare. I'm afraid we will have to keep you for at least a few more days. Then Dr. Shansbury turns to leave. A few more days, but I only have a week. Rob realizes he, sh realizes he shouldn't have said that and abruptly closes his mouth. Dr. Shansbury turns around. A week for what? Nothing, Dr. Shansbury. Take as long as you need. Yes, I think that's a good idea. Well, you stay comfortable in there, Rob. Then Dr. Shansbury turns to leave, but someone off screen says something to him. What now? Dr. Shansbury looks at his watch. 
It's a bit late, but fine, I guess. Hey, Rob, can you make uh, one phone call? But uh, make it quick, okay, buddy? We don't want it to affect your rests. Yes. Interior Sane Asylum payphone morning. Tuesday, 3.45 p.m. Afternoon. Afternoon. Uh, Rob is still wearing the straight jacket, but his <coughs> arms are free while on the phone with Bill. No, I need shmali, shmetamine, and shmetamine. <laughs> what? <laughs> what are you talking about? Are you speaking in Greeks? <sighs> OMG, dude, my rugs are so dirty. I need newer, cleaner rugs. So many of our favorite rugs. Paging Dr. Rugs. Bill shuffles around in his pocket looking for his phone. Tessa, hold on. My pocket is saying something. Bill pulls his phone out of his pocket. Oh shit, it's Rob. I think he heard our entire fight. Bill pulls the phone up to his ear. Hey Rob, were you listening to our fight? Yes, did you hear anything he said during your fight? Nope. I was asking about Shmong. Bill immediately cuts him off. Dude, don't say another word. This is an unsecured line. Even the slightest interference could get us nailed. And why are you asking me? Just go to Micah over in Humble. Oh, Micah, right. Shit, I haven't talked to that dude since my shrimp oil. Flashback. <laughs> Rob is cooking shrimp for a party and Micah, a giant dude with no filter. Um, Emily, maybe you, Micah. They're improperly seasoned and the quality of the shrimp is suspect. We see the entire party stunned and Rob shaking his head. Interior, Rob's kitchen morning, Tuesday, 3.46 p.m. Yeah, he's an ass hat and a half, but he's got the best stuff there is. <sighs> F. Well, here's the thing. I kind of got thrown into a mental institution while trying to get my psych to prescribe me all of these substances. And There's an and? <laughs> <laughs> and if I don't get it, I won't be able to defeat my traumas. And then these asshole billionaires said that they will kill me, you, Tessa, your unborn child, and my family. I think. You think? Yeah, they were in the middle of this beating the shit out of me, so I'm, I don't remember anything photographically like you or your perfect memory. So either get me out of here or get me Molly, ketamine, and cocaine so I can beat them. A voice from off screen. Are you really putting in an order for drugs using your one phone call? <laughs> Face palm emoji. <laughs> Rob covers the phone. No, sir. I was uh, talking to my friend Molly about her other friend, Ketamine, <laughs> and her other friend still named Michael Kane. <laughs> the deputy just laughs. Alright, where the hell are you? Interior of Saint Asylum waiting room night. Tuesday, 7 or 9 p.m. Bill is arguing with executive, the executive director of the mental hospital. He's cocky and way too enthusiastic, but he's not crazy. You've got to let him go now. Uh, Emily, why don't you read that one? I'm sorry, sir. He's a danger to himself and others. He's not fit to leave until the experts say so. I'm afraid it's out of the question for him to leave. Oh my god, really? All he did was try to get prescribed some party drugs. It doesn't make him crazy. It makes him stupid. Regardless, he's not going to leave anytime soon. And besides, it's not like it's out of pocket. Your friend Rob has amazing insurance. Zanaya goes to walk away. Okay, that's fine. But can I at least see him? 
Visiting hours are until next Monday, but his insurance does have a rather pricey line item for off-hour visitors, so I can allow you to see him briefly. Thank you. Interior of the same asylum night, Tuesday, 8-12 p.m. Bill talks to Rob through the window. Yeah, no can do, my friend. Uh, I'm afraid they really want to keep you here. Damn it. Well, I can't risk you and Tessa's safety. You've got to find those rooks. And bring Leslie, my therapist, here ASAP. We don't have time. Rob, I think this has gone far enough. Your excitable nature gives you a pass for most things, but this I can't let you do. I'm sorry, man, but I can't help you here. I'm sure that whatever you're going through is extremely hard, but making all this crazy things like murderous billionaires and that life is a simulation is too much to handle right now. I wish we could party forever as well, but we've got to grow up. I'm married, have a freaking kid on the way, can't be playing these games anymore. I'm sorry. It will make you better, and I'll always be there for you, but I can't do this. I'll come to visit again on Monday. I'm very thankful that you at least have great insurance to cover all of this. Bill turns around and walks away. Rob is in tears. Suddenly, Droney flies in front of Bill's face. What, what the? A screen drops down, and he plays back the billionaire's threats. On the video, we hear, Tell us how you got there, or we will kill your friend Bill and his pregnant wife, Tessa. Bill stops in his tracks. God damn it! Interior of Micah's place before midnight, Tuesday, 11, 24 p.m. Micah opens the door just slightly so that Bill can walk in. Hey, Micah. Thanks for seeing me on such short notice. Micah kind of acknowledges Bill while going about his night. On the couch, it's a girl who is definitely not Micah's girlfriend, but she has crazy hair and a crazier look in her eyes. Oh, hi there. I'm Bill. Bill puts out his hand to shake hers, and she doesn't shake his. I'm Pacey. Micah walks back over and sits on the couch. Emily, you want to be Micah? Yeah, man, what? Okay, so I know this sounds weird coming from me, as you usually deal with Rob, but I need some molly, some ketamine, and some cocaine. I like your style. Thanks. Micah walks back to his room to grab his things. So, you have something big planned? Well, not exactly. This is all for a very dear friend who's going through some serious shit right now. Pacey begins getting excited and much more interested in Bill. Bill doesn't really notice. I love that. I live, I live to help people expand their consciousness. The more help and support I can give, the better. And to help someone get fruit roll, uh, fruit roll up, man, that is some next level love right there. Oh, thank you. Uh, that is so nice to say. Wait, fruit roll up? Yeah, that's what it's called when you ingest molly, ketamine, and coke at the same time. Ah, yes. He will be getting fruit roll upped like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Just make sure you take some Tums beforehand. You don't want your stomach acid ruining all the fun. Micah sits back down before Bill can ask more questions. All right, how much of each do you want? Bill thinks about it. Uh, He's interrupted by Pacey. He needs a G of Molly, a G of K, and a G of White. All right, I definitely have the M and the K, but afraid I'm down to a house with a White. Ooh, yeah, White has been rare AF lately. Shit. Well, where should I go get some? I got a guy for you. 
Pacey writes down the guy's number and her own. Here's Craig's number. Bill looks at the paper. Great. Thank you. And uh, whose number is the second one? Oh, that's my number. You should call it sometime, too. She looks over at Micah, who doesn't even pick up on the nuance of their conversation while he puts the pills together. All right. Here you go, dude. Micah hands him two bags. Awesome. Thanks. Uh, what do I owe you? Micah thinks about it. Um, let's go with 275. Shit, I only brought 250. Can I pay you back next time? Sure. Exterior, Micah's apartment at midnight. Here, let's, uh, let's take five there. I gotta use the restroom. I have to leave in like 10. Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah. No worries. Where do you go? Exterior Mike's apartment at midnight, Wednesday, 12.44 a.m. Bill calls Craig, but no one answers and says the voicemail box is full. Bill hangs up and wonders what to do. Then his phone rings with an unknown number. He answers it. Hello? Um, Leslie, you do that. Who is this? Uh, Bill, but you called me. I... Yeah, I never pick up my phone. I star 69 you. That still works? Yes, sir. So what can I do for you? Wait, so is this Craig? The phone call immediately cuts out. Craig! Craig, are you there? Bill goes to recall him, but it immediately rings again. Bill answers it. Hello? Um, yeah, um, Emily. Read for Craig. Hey, Bill. Sorry, we must have gotten disconnected. Yeah, come to my place, and I still got what you need. It's at 629 Volcaro Lane. But I didn't even tell you what I needed, Craig. The phone line goes dead. Craig? Craig? Man, what the fuck? Exterior 629 Follow Through Lane, night. Wednesday at 2.15 a.m. Bill goes to this abandoned-looking house and rings the doorbell. Craig, tall, handsome, quick wit, mysterious, 32, answers with a roaring party that appears to be from the, the party room from The Shining going on in the background. He's wearing a tuxedo, and he has a friend in furry costume resting his head on his shoulder. Emily, you can be Craig. Hey, nice. Hey. <laughs> hey, Bill, nice to see you. I'm Greg. Oh, hey, Greg. They shake hands. You can kind of see that there is a rave of some sort going on behind Craig. I'd invite you in, but this place is trashed. Oh, no worries. Uh, could I get... Bill looks down and realizes there's a big amount of white powder sitting loose on, in his hand. Bill looks up to see the door is closed in front of him. Could I at least have a bag of some sort? Okay, whatever. Bill pours the coke into his jacket and walks off, shaking his head. Interior, St. Asylum, waiting room night. Wednesday, 4.04 a.m. Bill is having a, a straight-up screaming fight with the staff at the mental hospital. Sir, if you do not control yourself, we will have to call the police. Call the police! I don't care! I need to see Rob now! A group of orderlies comes out to restrain Bill as he loosens, he loses his mind and starts screaming obscenities at them. Rob walks out in a straight jacket and OR scrubs. Oh, hey, Bill. Rob? What are you doing out here? 
Oh, I just remembered saying something about my insurance being to blame for this. So I got Droney to send them an email saying that I had this pre-existing condition and they canceled my plan. So we weren't making any money, so they weren't they weren't making any money, so naturally that let me go in a minute. Well, then why are you still wearing a straitjacket? <laughs> and Orly takes it off of him. Well, this? This is cool. Thanks, T. Bill shakes his head and hands him the drugs. You owe me $250. Oh, Bill gets arrested. Dude, I was in the rubber room for the night, and now I have a record. You mean the distraction that I ran was for nothing? No, it was super fun to watch you freak out. Interior therapist's office, morning. Wednesday, 1.04 p.m. Rob sits on the couch talking to his therapist. Thanks for seeing me on such short, such short notice. My pleasure, Rob. So about the medication, have you been able to do your own research and talk to Dr. Spatchman? I did. Okay, great. What did you find? Lots of very interesting options. One in particular caught my attention. It's called MDMA therapy. Have you uh, ever administered it? Rob, unfortunately, that therapy is illegal, and I can't help you there. Okay, shoot. Well, uh, I guess I will try to not make this too obvious. Rob takes a bunch of pills. Rob, what did you just take? Not heard. <laughs> Leslie walks up to him and examines the bottle. She pulls a pill out and tastes it. That's pure MDMA. Leslie rolls her eyes, sighs, and pulls out a form. Okay, sign this form. Rob excitedly signs the form. No, Rob actually didn't take the drugs. All right, talk. Rob talks and talks and gets through it all. He rubs his face on the drapes, does a handstand, ugly cries, and comes out on the other side of a changed man. <laughs> Deep understanding of this trauma and the newfound strength to face it. Inserts. Scenes that actually make you cry. A lot of Robin Williams. It's not your fault. Mufasa dying. The dog dying at the end of Marley and Me. Eighth grade. Grandpa's funeral. Plane flying over. Clutching a family picture. Rob leaves. A changed man. Exterior sidewalk day. Wednesday, 5.44 p.m. Rob walks near the lake and looks at the sunset as if he's never seen it before. Interior. Rob's room. Thursday morning. Thursday, 3.47 a.m. Rob sits at his computer seriously writing something, looks up at the clock, takes a deep breath, and then doesn't resist as the billionaire's goons kick his door open, grab him, and pull him out of frame. Interior, scary-looking basement, night, Thursday, 5.55 a.m. They have Rob strapped to a chair. They bring in all the necessary ingredients for a successful trip. Welcome back. Oh, okay. Oh, no, that's Welcome back. We trust the last two days have been fruitful. Yeah, fingers crossed. Hopefully I'll be the first person outside the simulation you won't have to kill. my, And you won't have to kill my best friend, and Wait, did you see me kill my family, too? <laughs> the suited woman ignores this question and finishes directing the assembly of the c- cacophony of supplies in front of him. To give you the best chance on your journey and minimize the potential for any harm coming to you or your loved ones, we have a few extra tools for you to use. The suited woman goes down to the, down the line exp- explaining and describing what each pile or box does. Here are your hallucinogens, electric brain stems. This, this not only powers up your mind, but also allows us to run a video feed and see what you see. Pure condensed fish oil, ooh, and a fellow traveler to help you when the, when the going surely gets tough. Time out. Okay. Uh, let's see. Wow, Danny, billionaire, sure know how to spend your money. 
This process is incredibly taxing on the mind, body, and spirit. You may feel a bit slower than normal when you are done. All the suits laugh in the same way that Rob's friends laughed when trying to convince him to try Celery that first time. Once again, Rob is too focused and excited to notice. They hand him an NDA, which he signs without hesitation, and jumps right in. Droney is able to connect to the brainstem input so he can view what Rob sees as well. Let's do this! The suited woman pulls a switch that appears to be the switch from an electric chair, and Rob goes wide-eyed as the screen appears to go into light speed. Cut to exterior Green Mountains Day, NA000 AMPM. Rob is naked and walking around a beautiful, lush, and green mountainous area. He calls out. Hey, can you see me all right? He gets no response. Well, better walk around. Man, I can't believe I'm back here. This feels so foreign and yet so familiar. Like I was just here seconds ago, or like I never even left. Rob walks and walks and walks and walks. Man, I don't remember it being this big. Where did that funky tent go? Suddenly, Rob sees smoke rising from the campfire from a campfire in the distance where's that where there's smoke there's terrors rob runs off he is absolutely shredded in in this environment and fit as a fiddle so to run barefoot on this soft grass is basically effortless rob glides to where the fire is coming from and sure enough he sees an attractive naked girl stroking stoking a campfire hey wait she sees rob and immediately retreats into the orange tent no, please, wait. Rob runs into the tent and opens it and goes in. Interior tent building day. NA000 AMPM. Uh, Rob walks in and is now wearing clothes. He looks down to examine them. Whoa, slick threads. He walks forward around at the impossibly large ballroom. Suddenly a man yells out from the chair with slurred words as if on a heavy sedative. David, 50s, appears to have lived a very... Rough, long, and stressful life wearing a robe. Uh, Sam, will you be? Son, is that you? Rob is essentially in a dream, which makes him immediately take on the persona of whatever is planted on him, and he notices his clothes are now late 70s to early 80s era. Uh, yes, Dad, it's me. Is everything okay? Oh, thank goodness. I feel like I've been here for ages. How long have I been here? I'm not sure, Dad. Does that mean I get to come home now? Yeah, let's bring you home. Can I please come home? I miss your brothers and sisters so much. David bursts into tears and hugs Rob. <clears throat> it has been so hard here without you. I just want to come home and be with my family again. I promise I won't get sad anymore. I'll show your mother I could be the happiest dad, husband, and provider there ever was. He passes. Yes, Dad, everything is going to be fine. No more problems whatsoever. What do you mean, no? I can't come home? You've left me here to rot? Just because I've said a, got sad a few times? Everybody gets sad. It's not my fault. Maybe if you were a better son. David pushes Rob away and starts walking away from him. Note, the camera is always in third person so as to put the viewer in the shoes of Rob. So sorry, Dad. Is there anything I can do? David turns his back to Rob, who's eager for a resolution. Suddenly, Dick spins around in a rather ghastly manner akin to the raging bullfight scene when the boxer becomes much bigger and more menacing. No! You're a failure, and you'll always be a failure, no matter what, you'll, what you do. Rob is deeply frightened. 
sorry, Dan. Please forgive me. I'm so sorry. I should have done better. You're right. It's all my fault. Please, please, please forgive me. Interior therapist's office morning. We intercut scenes of Rob taking, talking with Leslie and fixing this exact issue. And why do you feel like a failure? I don't know. I guess I'm just inherently less valuable. Do you actually believe that? No. Good. There is nothing inherently wrong with you. In fact, quite the opposite. You are inherently valuable even without doing anything at all. Just being alive makes you valid and valuable. Wow. You're right. Cut to interior ballroom <laughs> night. Rob realizes there's nothing wrong with him. You worthless little scum sucker. You don't deserve the dick sandwiches you'll eat five times a day in prison. That's not true. I know I'm an inherently worthwhile and valid person, but nothing you say to you can change that. You say that, but you don't mean it. You're just parroting back what the cunt told you. Well, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but it's not true. You're a fuck-up shit for brains, and no one will ever love you because you are worthless. False. I love me, and no one can change that, not even you. Rob screams with a mighty wind as David begins to melt out of the Wicked Witch of the West. No, it's not true. You are worthless. Worthless. Unworthy of licking the gum from the bottom of my boot. No! <laughs> David fades into a big puddle on the floor. Interior back of a car night. Before Rob can even catch his breath, someone taps his shoulder and then he turns around to be dressed like a teenage girl on the back seat of a car. There's a 19-year-old boy next to him who is much, much bigger. Dan, 19, backwards hat, preys on younger girls. Say it won't you be dead. Hey, why don't we shed some cloths? Uh, no thanks. I think I'd just like to go home now. Oh no, baby. We're just getting started. <laughs> you don't want me to tell everyone that you're a prude, do you? Well, no, I guess not. There you go, baby. Yeah. Here, let me help you. No, 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 that's okay. Come on. Let's do this. Don't make me hurt you. We see the outside of the car as something horrible happens, and her toy-looking backpack is on the ground sideways. Cut to Rob is sitting on the curb in a catatonic state. Hey, you're not bad for a first-timer. I'll definitely call you again. And don't worry, I won't tell anyone you're approved. Dan laughs and begins walking away. Interior therapist's office morning. There is nothing you could have done. It is not your fault. There is nothing wrong with you. You were the victim of a sexual assault. This is not your fault. That is not your fault. That is not your fault. Interior tent building day. Rob shakes his, her head and screams at the, at the walking away Dan. Yeah, well, you have a tiny dick and your breath smells like gas station cheese. <laughs> Dan hears this and shakes his head. He runs back with a fist cocked. Just as he's about to make contact, Rob feels a mace thing on his key and sprays it directly into Dan's eyes. He goes down like a ton of bricks. What did you do, you rotten, ugly bitch? What did you do? I want you to remember this pain every time you see a girl. Remember my face as the person who fucked you up. Remember me! Rob screams, listens to Dan's face, and then kicks him in the balls a few times for good measure. Dan disappears into a puddle, and before Rob can even make any sense of what just happened, he is spun around. Exterior, outside of a dark church, night raining. From off-screen, we hear... Say what you did. Okay, Jacob, you be a good boy. They will take really good care of you. Bye-bye now. A car quickly drives away. The camera pulls out to reveal a hungry and evil-looking priest standing right behind Rob. 
He's rubbing Rob's shoulders in an empathetic but almost deeply sensual man- manner. It's okay, young Jacob. We will take very good care of you here. The priest looks suddenly excited as he swings the giant door open and shoves the traumatized young boy in. The camera pulls out to reveal a wet and dirty old-timey stuffed, old-timey looking stuffed animal. Rob. Rob, there's nothing you could do. You were a little boy. There are some truly horrific people out there who were themselves horribly abused, hurt. People hurt people, I'm afraid. It's not your fault. There's nothing you could have done differently to fix this. You did not deserve to be treated that way. I'm so sorry you had to go through that. You don't deserve that. You didn't deserve that. There's nothing to be ashamed of. You will always have been and continue to be a worthy, worthwhile human being who is incredibly capable and deserves everything you want, desire, and cherish. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. Exterior dark church, night, raining, uh, any zero o'clock a.m. p.m. Uh, we hear a kid scream like you've never heard a kid scream before in your life, truly glass-shatteringly loud. All the lights in the entire church go on as we can see shadows running to see what is happening and putting an end to the abuse. The camera spins around to see Rob with pupils as big as dinner plates, having just witnessed and experienced everything that just occurred. Interior tent building, day zero o'clock. We see a door marked base reality in the distance. Rob takes one step toward it and the world turns into a spinning drain. He grabs onto whatever he can but is sucked through as if he's a, it's a black hole. Interior billionaire psychonaut chamber night Thursday five fifty seven a.m. Rob comes to still Rob comes to still connected to the machine but no longer inside. Wait, why did you pull me out? I was right at the door. Okay, he's back. Unhook his life support and stems. The suited woman's henchman unhooks the extra brain power and electric stems. Do you not want me to go through the membrane and break? Rob goes very dull and starts drooling like a lobotomy patient. Get rid of him. The secretary, mid-twenties, attractive, stoic as a tree, puts a bunch of clipboards and paper right in front of him. Um, Sign this, initial here, fingerprint, face smash, blood sample, urine sample, firstborn, thumb stats, dance like a little girl. Okay, not if you understand. If you tell anyone privately, publicly, or even subconsciously about what you've seen here, you'll be sued to the ends of the earth and without question imprisoned until your last days. Rob nods. Okay, he's good to go. Get that flying fan out of here. One of the bigger uh, henchmen grabs the camera as it tries to wake up Rob. Oh, the, ge- the genie in Aladdin fades black. Note, the billionaires actually pull him out so as to stop him from being the first person to base reality a la first man on the moon. Interior Rob's room, Monday morning. Monday, 5.59 a.m. Rob wakes up in his room with the camera hovering above him. Oh man, I was right there. Droney, what the hell happened? Droney makes some noises that Rob weirdly understands. They pulled me out the last minute so I wouldn't be the first man outside of the simulation? <laughs> Those bastards. I'll show them. It's only been a few hours, so they can't have already broken uh, out, right? Droney makes some concerned sounds. What? I've been asleep for three days? Why didn't you wake me up? Droney makes sounds that sound like he tried everything. Montage, Droney making coffee, trying to feed Rob, smashing pots and pans, playing Pretty Girl Laughs, Simpsons episodes, dressing up, getting Sandy to lick his face. Droney, I'm very surprised you didn't try to wake me up. No matter. 
If I'm still here, that means that they haven't yet broken up. Otherwise, I assume I'd be dead. They don't seem like folks to leave loose ends. Now, I've got to think. How can I break up before they do? I've got it! I'll call my favorite podcast. Droney makes a bunch of noises to try and dissuade him. He pulls up to, to the footage. He pulls up the footage to remind him. The footage appears on his laptop, his TV, his phone. Note, always have subtle differences in the actual experience of the playback, as if we're messing with actual parallel universes simulations. Each time he goes into the simulation, he comes back in a different reality, akin to Time Traveler, Rick and Morty. Footage of Secretary saying, If you tell anyone, privately, publicly, or even telepathically, we will sue you for everything and without hesitation throw you in jail. Jail! 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 Rob is already on his phone and waves Droney off. Hi, could I please speak to Balthazar Loxley? <laughs> yeah, I've got something to say. Well, wake him up. Smash cut to montage of Rob calling up the Seams of Reality podcast, a lot of the doors of perception, and telling everyone of his experience and is immediately sued for all of his money and then some a national inquirer in Trump. Note the buildup of the popularity of this podcast. Hi, Balthazar. I mean, Dr. Loxley. Is this really you? Uh, sure, you want to be Loxley? Why, yes it is. Whom do I have the pleasure of speaking to? This is Rob. Rob. <laughs> I'm a long-time listener, first-time caller. Yes, yes. Thank you so much for calling. My producers tell me you've got quite the story to share. I would love to hear it. Okay, here it goes. Cut to interior Bill's sidewalk. Late afternoon, Monday, 4.59 p.m., Bill is listening to the podcast while walking home. And that's the second time I saw the ter- all the terrors. And it took like 18 hits uh, directly to the grill for me to take him down. But man, once I did, woo-hee. That's incredible. Wow, and you say you have video to prove it? Sure do. We hear some rustling in the back as a door seemingly gets kicked in. Oh crap, the billionaires are here. They grab him. Send help! The billionaires are trying to kill me with the toasters been laughing at me. What? Seriously? Why do I keep seeing this stuff? He keeps he gets pulled away from his phone and the line goes dead. Rob? Rob, are you there? It appears we've lost it. Wow, what a truly stirring story there. Bill stops to find his door hanging ajar. He removes his headphones and approaches the door. Uh Tessa? Tessa, did you leave the door open again? Tessa? Ah! Bill sees Rob lying on his couch, apparently dead. Rob! Rob! Rob wakes up. I don't want to ride the pony again. He scratches my no-no place. Wait, what? Huh? Oh, nothing. You didn't touch the doorknob, did you? No, I was hanging open. I, I just walked in. Why? Uh, no reason. So, why are you in my place? Great question. You see, I kind of committed a massive breach of contract, <coughs> failing against some of those billionaire assholes, and they didn't take too kindly to it, so they sued me for the rest of my money and basically every cent I've ever made for the rest of my life. The reason I'm not in prison is because somehow Brony covered the, covered the million in bail. Smash cut to montage of all the things Brony did to cover the bail. Walked dogs, sold drugs, gambled, took care of the elderly, got his realtor's license and show apartments, painted and sold pieces of modern art, sold his body, filmed softcore scenes, worked as a bartender, etc. <laughs> what? 
Your camera had a million dollars to spring you out of jail? Sure did. Best three easy payments of uh, $14.99 I ever spent. <laughs> Rob Air 5's drunk. I'm so sorry to hear that. You are, of course, welcome to stay here as long as you need. Phew, that's a relief. Uh, I did not see homelessness as a great option. Where's Tessa at? Oh, she's in St. Louis with her mom doing last-minute baby stuff for the week. Double few. Okay, I have a proposition for you. You know how your electricity has been on the fritz and you share a wall with the entire district's fiber optic internet hub? Uh, yeah? Well, I kind of sort of figured out a way to jerry-rig the brain boost machine using electricity plus fiber internet cables plugged straight into the dome. Oh, no. Plus what? Well, you see, those billionaire assholes didn't just ruin me financially. They also convinced some of the people I've never met to accuse me of some heinous crimes. Oh, shit, man. Seriously? Yeah, they even put my DNA on several rape kits. Like, I... Like I am fucked. The only reason I'm here and not in jail is because Droney had video of the exact times and places I was doing the alleged transgressions, but it's only, uh... My... Uh, sure. How do you say that word? It's a made-up word. Okay. (laughs) Matter of time until they figure out some way to pin jail-worthy crimes on me. So this simulation is fucked for me. My only hope is to break out into the base reality. Come on, man. It can't be that bad. I can help you fight the case. Nope. Bill is an attorney. <laughs> no, it's over. I left out one key detail. You see, to ensure my life is uh, ruined and my reputation is completely <clears throat> unbelievable, they also sabotage my mind as a whole. That's ridiculous. You can't sabotage someone's mind. You're clearly fine right now. Rob pulls out his phone and shows him an article from the dark web. Bill goes to grab it. Don't touch it! Bill slowly moves his hands back. It shows unclassified documents revealing how the CIA participated in character assassination attempts after the JFK murder by putting 10,000 blotter acid uh, on doorknobs, surfaces, toothbrushes, etc. Why did that much acid... Uh, why that much acid would break down your consciousness to its core essence. Your higher brain functions would essentially cease and your reptile brain would take over on- only with enough fear and terror to scare you literally to death. Well, I say don't touch anything. Why do you think I left the door open? I had to get in here before you or Tessa did. I couldn't risk them ruining your lives, too. My only hope is to break through the base reality and either stay there or use the footage from the droning to clear my name. It's going to kick in in about five minutes, so if you're up for it, I could really use a spotter. Bill thinks about it. Yeah, man. No problem. Smash cut. Rob is all set up. <clears throat> you hear a countdown and a lot of the shuttle launch. If I don't make it back, I want a Viking funeral. <laughs> you got it, Rob. It's been a true pleasure. If I lived a thousand times or a thousand years, I couldn't find another one as good as you, buddy. I'll miss you. I'll miss you too, man. Rob goes limp as the TV screen comes on with what Rob can see. Is this what Rob is seeing? Droney nods up and down. Exterior Green Mountain Field Park Day. 
Rob is transformed to the world he once came from. He walks towards the tent, only this time the naked girl looks back and growls at him before disappearing into the cavernous tent. He walks through to reveal a giant ballroom with his three terrors in it. He fights the first two, no problem, but the last one is posing a major problem. Interior of Bill's house, evening. Bill watches the video feed. It's like he's in fast motion. Is there a time dilation as he gets closer to base reality? Joni makes a noise that sounds like, I think so. Well, he keeps going faster and faster. That must be a good sign. Come on, Rob. You've got this. Interior ballroom night. Rob continues to fight his greatest enemy, himself. It's his shadow ego self a la Fight Club. He has to shoot himself in the face. Damn it, pain hurts here just as much. I can't do it. Interior Bill's house, evening. Bill watches the events unfold with bated breath. Oh, crap. He's really struggling here. That dude uh, has him on the ropes. What are we going to do, Droney? Droney makes some noises that sounded like, I don't know. Interior ballroom night. Rob is on his back as he exact, as his exact double chokes him. His face is turning red and he reaches for a stick but can't reach it. We see in his eyes that he is indeed giving up. Suddenly Bill appears, wrestles the gun away from Bizarro Rob and hands it to Rob. Bill, you can't rescue me. But how? If you touch the doorknob, so help me. Yeah, man. I was gonna let you do this one alone. We were a team, remember? Wow. You're the best friend a guy could ever have. I can't believe you would do that for me. Cut to flashback. Bill goes outside to check the mail. The wind slams the door shut. Not thinking Bill... Not thinking, Bill grabs turns the door, door knob open to open it. Damn it! <laughs> I'll have Drony fly out and get as much Thorazine as he can find for you. Drony, you hear me? Interior Bill's house evening. Drony hears something that catches his eye and replays back uh, the feed in super slow mode. Uh, Drony, fly out and get as much Thor's in for Bill so he doesn't die in here with me. We see Drony set the feed to record on an external recorder and flies out the door as fast as his turbines will spin toward the hospital. Interior ballroom night. No, Rob's real fear was abandonment with Bill coming in to save him. He, this shows him he's not alone. Rob and Bill head to the door. Alright, let's do this. One small step for man. You know, I never understood why Neil and Buzz didn't just go on the moon together. That would have been way cooler. One giant leap for best friends. Suddenly, Bizarro Bill comes out of the corner and begins attacking both of them. I love the Green Ranger in that Power Ranger saga where he kicks the shit out of all the other Rangers. <laughs> Rob, look out! Rob looks around to see what can only be described as Bizarro Bill. Who the hell is this? Oh no, this must be my subconscious dark side unleashing itself as the 1,000 times hallucinogen comes on. Your dark side must work out all of the time because this dude is strong AF. Bill turns, uh, Bill runs over to help with Bizarro Bill, knocks him out cold with a metal pipe. Oh really? Rob wrestles with all his might as Bizarro Bill is clearly winning. Interior of Bill's house, evening. Droney connects the giant bag of Thorazine to Bill's vein and starts squeezing the bag. He turns to see Bill has been knocked out and Rob is not looking good. Interior ballroom night. Uh, Rob continues to struggle mightily with Bizarro Bill. Please stop. Hey, Bizarro Bill, remember that time when you were really nervous at college orientation? Bizarro Bill stops about 
when you thought that everyone was going to ignore you and not even consider you as a sexual being. Bizarro Bill stops about another 10%. And then you sat down in alphabetical order to hear about the film program at UC. Bizarro Bill makes a grunt. Remember that first thing your neighbor said? Bizarro Bill almost stops completely. He said, Hello, uh, Mrs. Uh, Bart. He looks like he's about to cry. And what did you say? He starts crying. You said, Is your pool ready yet? He begins ugly crying. And why did you say that? Bizarro Bill stops crying suddenly and reaches for a metal crowbar. Rears back about to kill Rob. Because you made me feel normal. Bizarro Bill swings and is about to connect with Rob's face when suddenly he's flying, kicked in the face, and knocked out cold. Rob opens his eyes to see this stunningly beautiful woman who is wearing some kind of robot costume and makeup. Whoa, who are you? She opens her mouth, but only droney-sounding sounds come out. <laughs> Wait, why are you speaking like droney? She shakes her head, embarrassed. Oh, sorry, I forgot I have a mouth here. I'm Desiree. Desiree Roney. Desiree Roney. <laughs> <laughs> she reaches her hand down and helps him up. Wait, what? I thought you were a guy. Yes, and here one assumes the bodily form they keep in their mind's eye. So naturally, I became a fierce warrior princess set out to protect her beloved king, uh, you. She does a little <laughs> curtsy. That's awesome. Thank you much for saving me. But how did you get in here, and who's watching Bill? Oh, not to worry. I've got him pumped fu- full of so much Thorazine, his grandkids won't be able to trip. Bill begins waking up. <laughs> oh, man. Where the hell am I? Oh, look. It's my silent drone droney in sweet cyberpunk battle angel form. Bill looks up. Wait. Your drone is a stunningly attractive cyberpunk warrior princess now? Before Rob can even confirm Bill's on the right, on the nose description, a new wave of foes comes through. Rob lifts Bill up as droney runs over. The combined weight of our three minds is making the in-between zone unstable. You've got to break through the membrane now. She pushes them towards the door. But, Jordan, what about you? If you die in here, you die in the real world. There's no time. Take this and show the world what you've discovered. Droney puts her camera lens in Rob's hand and shoves them toward the door. Bill opens the door as Rob turns around to witness everything happen in slow motion. There's a mountain of bizarro characters as well as callous terrors and horrors running as fast as they can at Rob and Bill. Droney initially f- faces them and then does some sort of synchronized dance. Then she turns to face Rob. I love you. Then she explodes with the fire of a thousand suns. Knocking back the crusty wave of terrors and giving Rob and Bill enough time to go through the membrane. Oh, interior Bill's house, evening. The droney, silent drone shoots a few sparks and falls out of the sky, fried and dead. Pieces go flying and the screen turns off akin to the Terminator where he goes into the hot lava at the end. Interior smoke-filled, endless hallway, never always. The door slams shut behind them. No, we are able to see this part because Droney set up a stationary recording deck to record whatever the feet showed. Rob and Bill are now in what appears to be an endless hallway covered in smoke. Rob falls to his knees and bursts into tears. I can't believe he... I mean, she's gone. Bill confronts him. Comforts him. I'm so sorry, man. That'd be funny if it was actually a confrontation. <laughs> Fucking pussy. <laughs> Get up. <laughs> I'm 
so sorry, man. She was a true partner and a hundred percent devoted to you. I'm so sorry for your loss. Rob continues to be super upset. Bill looks up and realizes there are other doors. Hey there. There are other doors in here. Rob doesn't move. This one says Madman? Hmm. I wonder what that could mean. Rob looks up just slightly. Okay, now this one says Power Rangers. Rob puts the camera lens that Desiree Roney gave to him on his necklace. Oh, snap! This one says X-Men the Animated Series. Rob looks completely up. Oh my god. I get it. We are in the centrifuge of the multiverse of simulations. And even our favorite shows are here because they aren't shows. They're actually simulations and are all in the highlights. Akin to whatever these fuckers are watching of us right now. Rob breaks the fourth wall for a second. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Which one should we go into first? We gotta choose wisely, because I, I don't want to miss my child being born. Oh, right about that. Uh, so you notice how when we got closer to the door and a time violation appeared? Yeah. Well, once we we're in the, in the door time for all intensive purposes... Uh, I know uh, it. I know it's intense and purposes, but I'm not judging. Where they get uh, the remote freezes time. Wait, you mean we can all spin? You mean we can spend all the time we want going to these different simulations and fucking around? Yeah, if that's what you're into. Oh fuck yeah, dude! This is what we've always wanted. Bill sees another door. <clears throat> Holy fuck! This one just says Bonnaroo. That's not even a show! <laughs> well, I guess it is now. Fuck yeah! Which should we go to first? As much as I want to explore every one of these worlds uh, for as long as I fucking possibly uh, I want to know, more than anything else in this place of pure manifest creation, I want to know what the base of reality is. I hear you, Bill. Well, let's find it. They look and look and walk down this hallway for seemingly ever. Uh, they find every TV show and movie that they have ever loved. They even find the simulation that just says Rob Blank as we cover up the last name to protect Rob's identity. What the? Dude, there's a simulation of you? Should we check it out? Yeah. You've seen Being John Malkovich, right? Oh, yeah. I'm not looking to see my face on every person in the room. Though I would, uh, though I would look great with a great set of breasts. Nah, let's find base reality. <laughs> <laughs> they continue walking and come to what is seemingly the end of the hallway. Wow. <clears throat> is this the end? Looks like it. They brush away the smoke and reveal a room that says base reality. Oh my god, here's the entrance to base reality. Rob steps forward to look at it and then steps back afraid. He bumps into another wall that says Batman. Oh, fuck me. The Batman simulation. Dibs on Batman. Rats. <laughs> <laughs> you can be every other person, though. Yes! Rob goes out, uh, goes to put his hand on the door and stops suddenly. He shakes this out of his head. Wait, no. That's the final test. That's my final test. To avoid distraction and finish the task at hand. There's nothing in this world that sounds as much fun as you and me playing for as long as we want in the Batman world. Nothing. But I know that we've already done that, and it's time to go. You're right. Rob and Bill hold hands. Uh, they pull open the door and scream. 
One small step for man. One giant leap for One small step for man. One giant leap for best friends. They both leap in. The screen goes black for five solid minutes as Pinehardle beats Brad. The end. All endings, Robin Bill part ways as Bill goes back to be with his family. Uh, and Robin Bill go to the Batman world and Bill goes into the monolith and comes back with the look of enlightenment. So those are two alternate endings that I haven't decided on. Thank you. Great job reading, you guys. Uh, that was very entertaining for me. <laughs>